Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. And I have to say I'm a little emotional about sharing this episode with you. Not because we cry in this show. I've learned that I should warn you when you need tissues because after I shared my story a few episodes ago, I got plenty of emails from people saying that was fantastic. You should have warned me that I needed tissues because I was crying at the gym or I was crying doing dishes. So I'm going to do my best to warn you if we ever have tears in an episode. That's not happening today. That's not why I'm emotional. I'm emotional about it because I've realized that most of the people that I've interviewed on this show are in the thick of parenting. And Kate is only the second one after Sally Clarkson that I've interviewed that's actually on the other side. Um, And for those of you who don't know, Kate is Francesca Battistelli's mom. And Francesca Battistelli is one of the top Christian artists on the radio today. And I felt like while interviewing her that I was standing on one side of this chasm and she was on the other side, just throwing back all these ropes of wisdom to show me how to get my kids to that other side where they are grown and following God and serving people and loving people. And so that's one reason why I'm a little emotional. The other reason is that Francesca Battistelli is my daughter's favorite artist. Her CD is in our car on repeat over and over and over again, which... I'm going to be honest, I love because that was me growing up. But as I listen to Kate share her story and the decisions that she made all through her growing up, because she has a fantastic story, so interesting. And, and those decisions that she made are directly impacting my little girl and her walk with the Lord. Not because I've ever actually in person met Kate or Francesca, but because Kate made some choices and those choices impacted her daughter. And her daughter has made choices, and those choices are impacting my little girl and her walk with the Lord. And that is just powerful, just to remind us that, you know, you, whatever you are doing right now, and the choices that you're making for your children and in your life are going to impact not just your kids, but other people and other families, literally for generations to come. So just a reminder that what you're doing is truly powerful, truly impacting. And this show is really just proof of that. So Kate has some great wisdom to share. Let's dive into our chat today with Kate Battistelli. Hey, Kate, how are you today? I'm doing great, Kat. How are you? I am doing very, very well. People will probably recognize your last name, and you are Francesca Battistelli's mom. Did I say the last name right? You did. Okay. I didn't want to go through the whole podcast and be saying it obnoxiously wrong the whole entire time. Um, But as I was, you know, as I've followed you more and learned more about you. You have you have a very fascinating story. And I would love for you just to kind of go back in time. I'd love to share, you know, hear your whole story, um, 
I think particularly of interest is what you did before you got married and met your husband, but then dive into a little bit about how you met him as well. But um, yeah, just tell, tell us a little bit about you and, and your personal story. I, well, I would love to. Um, well, actually, my story, it's its a little different. I, I'm not your typical Christian, I guess, and blogger and all that. My husband and I came to the Lord quite a bit later in life than, than a lot of people. Um, and we actually met back in the day. I grew up in New Jersey, which is nothing like the, the TV show Jersey Shore. It's actually a really nice state <laughs> if you stay kind of far away from New York. But um, I grew up there, and Mike did too, but we had we never met till much later. Um, but anyway, I grew up and really had a had no direction when I was young. I just really didn't know what I wanted to do. I always knew that I could sing, and I loved theater, and I loved all that, but I just really didn't know what I wanted to do. So after high school, I went to four colleges in two years and didn't graduate from any of them, which I'm not proud of, but you know, it's just, I, I was one of those kids that, I guess I was a late bloomer, and I just really, I, I knew what I loved, but I didn't know how to get where I wanted to go. So I actually started doing some local community theater in New Jersey, and, and that was great. I started getting lots of experience. I did whole bunch of shows in two years. And then New Jersey's real close to New York City. So I started going into New York and auditioning and, you know, just sort of um, broadening my horizons here and there and doing shows and different things. And, you know, in, in any business, you just start making connections and contacts and you hear about things. And an audition came up for the national tour of The King and I. I think most people know that show mm -hmm. starring Yul Brynner. And I, I was only 26 years old. So I went out for the understudy because I was way too young to play the leading lady. And I, I, I ended up getting the role of the understudy. And this was a big national tour. It was going to be out for several years. And we went to all the big cities and, um, you know, would stay there for a couple months. I don't know if they do it that way anymore, but back then they did. So I got the job, went out, learned the role, figuring I'll never get a chance to go on. You know, it's just not going to happen. The, the understudy hardly ever gets to go on. Well, two months into the run of the show, the leading lady gets sick. She gets pneumonia. And back then, you have to remember, there were no cell phones. There was no email. You know, you'd be out all day. You'd come to the theater at 7.15 for an 8 o'clock show and get ready and do the show that night. Well, I got to the theater at 7.15, and the stage manager grabs me by the shoulders and said, she's sick, you're on, <laughs> which was, you know, panic time. I mean, I knew I knew the show, but it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to wear the costumes deal with the props, deal with Yul Brynner, this big, huge movie star who, you know, I'd met him, but he didn't, we didn't know each other. I mean, it was just, it was very scary, but it, it turned out great. I ended up doing the show for two weeks because she was sick. Well, then she came back for a month or so. And interestingly, they just really didn't like each other. The leading man and leading lady didn't get along. He didn't like her. He, he produced and owned the show. So they fired her. And they bought out her contract. They had to pay her for two years. And they bought out her contract and gave me the part. And here I am, you wow. know, New York, nobody taking on this huge role with somebody like this. And I ended up doing the show for about almost three years. It was about a thousand performances of getting to do that all over the country. I mean, it was it was wonderful. And during that, during the run of the show, my husband was now I have, you know, no degrees. He has his doctorate in music. So I figure between the two of us, we have just a really strong bachelor's degree. <laughs> Take credit for half of his work. But um, 
anyway, he was a, a professional trumpet player. He has his uh, his doctors in conducting. He conducted on Broadway, conducted Radio City Music Hall. If you've ever seen the Christmas show at Radio City, he's mm-hmm. he's conducted that before. And he joined the tour in um, actually in Boston as the assistant conductor. And of course, you know, when you're on stage, you notice everything, you notice when a new person joins the tour and I'm, I'm looking down into the orchestra pit. Well, who's that, who's that cute guy down there, you know, flipping through the score. And of course, all the, all the girls on the tour wanted to know who he was and we met him and, you know, I just claimed him as mine, right? <laughs> just everything about him as I've gotten to know him over the years. He's just, you know, just a, a, a wonderful man, funny, smart. I mean, all the things that you don't typically find in, in, well, I shouldn't say, but a a lot of the professional actors that I had dated just kind of didn't come up to his level. So Mm -hmm. suddenly I met someone who was really an adult, you know, like had a car and a license and what an odd thing when you live in New York, most people don't drive. So anyway, we met, we literally fell in love across the footlights we, he did the show with us for a while. Then he went off and did some other things. And then we got married and then we met the Lord, but we met the Lord on the same night, which is, doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. We just had a good friend in New York that kept inviting us to church and we kept saying no. And finally, you know, you just can't say no at one more time. So we went and, and gave our hearts to the Lord the same night. So it was wonderful. And then, um, then after that, then we, we had our daughter, we had Francesca, we only had, were able to have one child, but, um, when she was about a year, well, I don't even know if she was here. I think it was when I was pregnant with her, the Lord really called us both out of that life. It was very clear, you know, we were both very headed on our career to do a specific thing. You know, he was going to conduct on Broadway and I was going to win a Tony and we had our lives set out and God basically said, no, you're, you're leaving that. You're taking a 90 degree turn and you're not going to do that anymore. And I, I, it was, it was just, you know, it's just one of those things I can't explain, but God called us out of it. And, and we, we walked away, you know, but sometimes what God does, he'll, he'll, I don't think God ever wastes anything. He's very economical and all the things that we learned, even though we set it down and laid it down, the Lord was able to pick it up in our daughter's life and, and take it to where it was really going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than it just being about us and getting famous and all of that. I mean, she's she's out there ministering and preaching the Lord and making a difference in people's lives. So to see that today, it's very gratifying. You know, because there's times where you regret and you think, gosh, what if? What would have happened had I stuck it out? But the Lord was clear and he had a plan. So sometimes just knowing that and sometimes you don't get that perspective till you've gone through a number of years. But we have that now. So it's gratifying. Well, and I can only imagine the challenges of raising, well, being believers in that environment and then raising children in the hustle and bustle of New York City and living a theater life and everything. I wonder, you know, if your your marriage and the way that you raised Francesca would have been completely different had you not pulled out of that. I think it's it's a lifestyle that can cause you to compromise if you're not a strong Christian. I think had we gone into that world as Christians, you know, raised and knowing the Lord would have been different. But, you know, you you they they send you up for auditions for all kinds of roles and it's if it's something that just morally doesn't fit with who you are and with what you're trying to do, it's it's hard to say no because, you know, your your agents and the people that are promoting you and your managers, they they want to make money. They want you to take the job. 
Right. But if it's a job that just doesn't fit with what you believe. So I think because we were baby Christians, I think the Lord partly was doing it to protect us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then what did you do after that? Did, did Mike stay in the music industry? Did did you find jobs elsewhere? Did you stay home? What did your life look like after you we moved away? To, we had a, our, our own business at home, and I became a homeschooling mom, loved doing that with Franny. We moved to New Jersey and lived there till she was seven. And then when she turned seven, we were called, it was another 90 degree turn. God said, sell that business and move to Florida, which was somewhere I never wanted to move. (laughs) Thought, okay, just shoot me now because I may as well just go be with Jesus. Um, But it turned out to be a a wonderful 20 years. We lived in, in Orlando uh, north of Orlando and raised her there. And I know, you know, now looking back, it was clearly where God needed her to be to get the training and the, you know, just meet the people and just all the, the way her life has turned out um, needed to, to, you know, that needed to be her little incubator area, but also for us, I mean, it's just, we had a wonderful church and, and it was, you know, it's just a great 20 years to be down there. So what was your journey to motherhood? Did you and Mike have Francesca right away? Did it take a while? No, we were married about a year and we got pregnant with her. And of course, we I always envisioned myself having five kids. I mm-hmm. thought, I want a big family. I can deal with chaos. I'm I'm more of a messy than a neat freak, so it doesn't bother me, you know, and there's craziness all over. I love all that. But the Lord, we had after we had Francesca, I got pregnant again when she was two and a half, but it ended up ended up being an ectopic tubal pregnancy that burst and they they didn't catch it. They told me on a Friday, you're pregnant. This is great. Tell everybody, which we did. And then on Monday, it, you know, I, I'm doubled over in pain. It was a labor day years ago and thinking, okay, this must be a really bad attack of gas. I don't know what's going on, but ended up, you know, i I ended up going to the hospital and they realized that I was bleeding internally and I was in the hospital for about four days. We lost, lost the baby, lost the tube and everything inside was just messed up. And we, we tried, we had, you know, a couple different surgeries to correct everything, which didn't work. And then we tried to adopt three times and it fell through. So it was like, okay, God, all right, we, we get that. I guess we're going to be parents of an only child, which uh, it was a real struggle for me. I've written a lot about that on my blog because it was just, I think for me, that was one of the hardest things to go through when the God that you think is supposed to, I mean, I think we think, we get this idea in our mind that he's supposed to give us our heart's desire. Mm-hmm. You know, I want this and you're a good God and your word says you give me my heart's desire. Why aren't you giving it to me? So it really caused me to struggle. It was a, a big spiritual struggle for me, a big uh, dark night of the soul or or desert experience, whatever you want to call it, getting it in my brain and understanding how that stuff can happen. And yet I can still trust and love the Lord. And Mm -hmm. it just, he really had to bring me to that place where he was enough, you know, where there's nothing else really that can satisfy. And I just had to let him out of his box and be able to say, okay, Lord, you know what? I'll, if this is what you're calling me to, I'll be okay with it. And it, you know, it just, it took time as anything like that does because we, we get it in our brain a certain way. Life's supposed to be like this and Lord, you're supposed to make that happen. And it doesn't, you know, stuff comes all the time. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are dealing with stuff, maybe with infertility or with 
you know, different things like, like this, or you lose a job or you get a diagnosis that's not what you were hoping or your child does. That stuff happens, but God is still God. And, and that's what he's taught me. And he taught me to want him for who he is, not for what he gives me. So good. And that, that's, that's just part of maturing, you know, and, and it was hard and I hated it and I fought him a lot and I would yell at God, but you know, he gets you to the point where he's like, okay, just, just chill. You're going to understand this one day. And I do now, I look at it now, my perspective is very different, but it's all about our perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like he took you, how old were you when you came to know the Lord? (sighs) 29. Okay. or 29, something like that. It sounds like in a very short period of time, he took you through a whole bunch of 180 degree, degree turns. He does, you know, and he's still doing it. It just cracks me up the way the Lord, that's just how my husband and I, that's just sort of been our life. It's just when you think everything's going along, it's like, yeah, okay, no, we're in the middle of one now just with our, with our job situation and with whether or not we're going to move. And, but it's, it's, we're just, we're, we've gotten kind of used to it, I guess, if you get used to it at all. Do you feel like in the process of all of those turns that really involved, it, it wasn't just you, it was you and Mike, that those 180 degree turns hit. Do you feel like it brought you closer to him and to the Lord in the whole process? Or were there a lot of bumps along the way? No, I think it did ultimately. I mean, there were bumps in the beginning because, you know, when you're a younger Christian, there's just stuff you don't get. And you're, you're just trying to figure out marriage and relationships and all that and, and letting go of all the things you've believed wrongly for, you know, all those years. So it, 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 it took time, but, um, but it, it changed all of us and Franny too, because she was a part of a lot of that, you know, all the moves or sell that business or no, get, do that or you're going to be unemployed for four years. Have fun with that. You know, that was a fun time, but you know, <laughs> the, the one thing that I've really taken away from all this is when something comes into our lives now, that's, you know, just not what we like or not what we've expected or not what we'd want. We can look back and see God's history of faithfulness mm-hmm. that no matter what came, he got us through it. You know, God's not always going to deliver you from trouble, but he, he'll deliver you through it. You know, you just, but whatever those lessons are that you need to learn going into it and realizing he's not punishing you. It's not that it's just that he's trying to bring you. I call it going out into the deeper deeps with God. It's like, are you willing to really go to really know him? You're going to have to go through some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Job in the book of Job, it starts out where he says, I, I, I see you, but now I know you by the end of the book, Job really knew who God was, but it was because of all that he went through. Mm-hmm. So, well, there's just, a yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's always a purpose in the pain. Mm-hmm. Well, just like I would say, if any of us think about some of the deepest relationships that we have, it's probably the ones that we've gone through the most with. Sure. You know, and, you know, even if I think back to I went to the Philippines with Compassion International and a group of bloggers that I did not even meet before the trip. Wow. But now we all are still connected. We still stay in touch and we become good friends because we were together only seven days. But it was it was, you know, we saw really hard things and things that challenged us. And it was hard work. and, And just going through that experience just inevitably is going to draw you closer to people. And and obviously the same with the Lord. And I love how you said that he's not necessarily going to deliver us from trouble, but through it. That's, right. that's so good. 
So yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to transition a little bit to, I'm just curious to know, so was Francesca always musical? Was it something that you guys just did as a family or how did, how did you realize that she was talented? I think we knew when she was little that she was, you know, a little drama queen and loved to dress up and do all that. We put her in ballet when she was four because I'm thinking, all right, I don't want her to go into theater because I know what theater's like. And, you know, let's just stay. Let's put her in ballet and see what happens. Well, she loved dance, actually danced for 12 years. And we thought at one point when she was 11, 12 years old, I really thought she was going to be a ballerina, that that was her path, but she's got some issues with her back, with her spine that have kind of precluded any of that from happening. Um, But we knew that there was definitely with both of our, you know, both Mike and my artistic ability and all of that, we figured it's probably going to be something she's going to inherit. So Mm -hmm. let's sort of look at, at, at what, you know, where God might be leading her. But, but all along we were really trying to pray and, and pray through all of that. That's what a lot of, I wrote a book called Growing Great Kids. And I talk a lot about that, about how as a parent, you know, it's our job to kind of figure that out. God will show us, but as we dig deep with him, he's going to show us those gifts and those talents because nobody's going to see it more than mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You know, so we saw those things in her and started just um, intentionally trying to expose her to more things. I remember we took her to her first Broadway show when she was seven. We went to see The Secret Garden, which is a, you know, a wonderful story, wonderful book, and a, a really great musical. And she was just enraptured by all of that. Always loved, you know, any old musical that we would watch on TV or the Disney, you know, the musical Disney movie. She loved all of that. And started singing. I guess she started taking voice lessons around 11 or 12. And because most of the time that she was home, she was homeschooled, not all of the years, but most of those years, um, for one season, she was involved with like a, a local, um, show choir that was kind of an Orlando citywide. And, and among those kids, there were lots of them that were involved in theater and commercials. Cause they do a lot of that in Orlando. There's, you know, with Disney and universal, there's a lot of commercials and things that are shot down there. So we started getting her involved in that. And there was a dinner theater, a local dinner theater that was doing a production of The Sound of Music. And of course, Franny, you know, like every kid, I'm going to audition for The Sound of Music. But mom, I'm not going to go unless you audition too. Well, I pretty much put all that away. But I thought, well, if she's going to do this, I need to be there to keep watch over what's going on. I need to be backstage. So we both auditioned. We both got got in the show. I, I did not play Maria much to my dismay, but I'm, I was way too old. So I played the, you know, the Baroness that comes that tries to steal Von Trapp's <laughs> yes. Yeah. The crabby one with the <laughs> wig, but it was fun. And she was one of the kids. And I mean, it was a blast. And we ended up doing three shows together at the dinner theater and some other shows. There's there some good local community theater in Orlando. So she got a lot of experience doing, doing stuff like that. And the, the dinner theater was professional theater. That was eight shows a week where you get paid. So wow. That was great training for her. She she just did a, a ton of that stuff, plus all her dance. And then she was a member of a three-girl pop group in Orlando when she was 15, 16, that um, did did quite a bit, but they never got a record deal, which was a good thing because they were, they were a little unequally yoked. But it was great experience for Franny, and that's when she started writing music. Mm. And then, then when she was 16, she really started getting into youth group and all that. Because before that, she really hadn't had much time. But when the group broke up, 
she started going to, you know, Wednesday night youth service and just fell in love with worship and worship music and starting to find out who the Lord was on her own. Mm-hmm. You know, our kids need to, to know God on their own. They can't, they can't depend on our faith. So <clears throat> as she started to do that, it just really captured her heart for, for songwriting and for being involved in that. And that's really when she started all of that and getting and starting to write by 18, she had her first independent CD out and that did well. And then from there, it just, you know, just kept, she just kept moving forward. And my husband, he managed her and and helped her and, you know, really helped open doors. And he was her roadie. He did everything for her back then, you know, to just get her out there and get experience and see what happened. And then the Lord did the rest. So it sounded like she did a lot of hard work at a young age. And I'm curious to know if her passion for music pushed her that whole time, or if you had to, you know, work with her about following through, you know, I'm asking this because I know a lot of people listening, and myself included, maybe our kids love music and love different things, but they don't want to practice the piano. They don't want to do some of the harder things that stuff involves. So I'm curious to know if she was always excited about doing eight shows a week, or if there were times where you just let her passion lead her career, or there were times where you needed to kind of help her along a little bit. Well, I mean, every parent's going to need to help help their child along. Cause even the most dedicated child's just going to have days. They just want to be a kid, mm-hmm. but she, Franny's always been pretty self-disciplined, you know, even as a, when, in school, as a homeschooler, she'd get her work done. She'd say, I want to get this done before the end of the week. Cause then I can have that day off. It's like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> that, you know, so she was, she's always been pretty much that way. But there were times, you know, when, especially as she got older, when, well, there's a girls retreat at the church this weekend that I said yes to. Yeah, but you said yes to this gig 30 miles away. And we've already told them, yes, you're going to have to go, you know. And of course, she would not be happy about it. But then it always turned out to be something good. And she ended up being grateful that she went. But there were times when there were conflicts that as parents, we had to step in and say, look, you've committed to this. You you have to be good to your word. Mm-hmm. So something she was committed to, but she did love to practice. She enjoyed sitting and writing songs. She would love to write stories. Franny's always loved to write. She's even starting a blog, which is exciting to me to see her do that. She's a great writer. And I think she could really help a lot of, a lot of moms and a lot of women out there that are kind of, you know, trying to balance life and career and job and kids and marriage and all that stuff. So, you know, so, but, but I, I had to help her some, but she was naturally pretty, pretty much, this is what she wanted. And when Mm -hmm. she's determined to do something, she's going to just do it. So let's say that somebody's listening and they weren't, they didn't star in a Broadway musical opposite Yul Brenner and they don't have a master's degree in music, but their kid is really talented. How can average Joe mom or not average Joe mom, but average Joe mom, who is really awesome at something other than music. How can she help foster that in her, in her, in her child when she, you know, she can't teach it. She can't help it. How can she encourage that? And, and especially if it involves theater, not be afraid of it. Right. Well, I think you just need to start exposing them to all that you can expose them to. We did that with Franny from the time she was little. It wasn't just theater, but take her to the ballet, take her to a symphony, take her to, you know, just anything that kind of had to do with that world. As we'd see that there was increased interest, we'd continue to do it, provide the lessons that they need. Um, 
do whatever you can. And because I mean, I, I, and I wrote about this in, in Growing Great Kids that if, had she been really interested in math, which I'm terrible at, I could <laughs> not, I, that was one thing I could not teach her in home. Back, beyond arithmetic, I was done. But I would have figured out a way, all right, how do I get interested in this that she's interested in and figure out ways to continue to kind of um, massage this interest and see where it goes? Because it could be God. I mean, so, you know, every kid when they're little wants to be certain things. And you just have to figure out as they get older, do they really want to be that? You know, do they really want to be a fireman or do they really want to be a singer? Because it takes work. Like you said, Franny, she was doing stuff all the time. She had, by the time she first, you know, anybody heard of her in Nashville, she had years of experience on stage, years of doing, you know, every gig anywhere that whether there were two people there or 200, whether it was oddly, there was one bar that had her come and sing and it was quarter beer night. (laughs) Crack us up because during the breaks, you know, there's noise and craziness. As soon as she'd start to sing, the place would get quiet. And they all these, you know, people drinking their quarter beers are listening to Franny sing about Jesus. It was it was the oddest thing. But she'd have things like that and was consistently doing things. It, the one thing I, I can tell you is it, it doesn't come without lots of hard work. Mm-hmm. If you've read um, Malcolm Gladwell's The Outliers, he mm-hmm. talks about 10,000 hours. It really does take 10,000 hours to get to the level where you're to the, to that world-class level. It takes hours and 10,000 hours comes out to, I believe it's five years of 40 hour weeks. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, and I haven't added up all the Franny's, but I'll bet she's darn close if she's, if she, she hasn't gotten there just with, you know, every rehearsal, every practice, every performance, every single thing you do is, is adding to that. So but I think if, especially if it's something like if, if it had been sports for her, I'm not a sports person, but I would just do what I could to, to help her, you know, progress and, and buy the best equipment or stuff that we could afford to give her or get her the lessons that she needs. You know, I think mm-hmm. as parents, we need to press in as best we can. It might've been a little easier because we only had one child. I didn't have to worry about four kids with four different things that they're all interested in. And how do we, you know, that can get really expensive, but but we also knew that, that, that there was a gift here. I, I knew that it was more than just, this is something I like to do, but we felt from an early age that this was probably the call on her life. So it, it, it kind of ramped up in importance. Yeah. I mean, rather yeah. than just, Hey, I'm a little girl and I want to do ballet. Every little girl does and should do ballet, but not every little girl is going to become a ballerina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm curious to know in the midst of, helping her with her career. How did you make the transition to, you know, now she's married and has kids and doesn't even live in the same city. How did you make the transition to doing your own thing? Because I know, you know, regardless of how many children you have, every mom invests a ton into their children. And sometimes, especially as the kids get older, they feel like that along the way that perhaps they lost themselves a little bit. And and you are thriving with your blog and your amazing cooking that always makes me hungry. <laughs> and you wrote a book. Was that a challenging transition for you to make? And and how did you make it? Oh, it definitely was at the beginning because especially with just one, it, it once once she was really gone, you just kind of you know my husband and I looked at each, each other and just went, well, okay, 
is that all there is? I mean, that that was fun. You know, that was great. But now what? And we'd always kept a good, strong relationship between us. So we didn't we didn't really face um, some of the obstacles. Sometimes if you're so invested in your kids and they become more important than your spouse, which I, I, I think is is not the way we want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. Mike and I found each other first. We were the first relationship. She came as part of that. So you know, God first, and I think the marriage second, and, and children third. So we we were pretty strong in our relationship. But for me, it was hard because I was so invested. You know, she was calling me three times a day when she first moved, and I was everything. But especially when she got married, and then it's like, well, you don't need me at all anymore. I'm just completely, you know, unimportant, which is not true. But it, she's supposed to go off. I mean that we ideally we want to raise our kids to go. Mm-hmm. As hard as that is when you get to that point, you want to raise them to leave and to live their life and to do what God's calling them to do and to get married or if that's what they're called to or to move into their career, move into life, but um so for me it was just it really the Lord did it. He he um he had somebody invited my husband and I to speak at a big homeschool thing about what did you do intentionally with your daughter to um, you know, to raise her, to find her life and to find her passion and to follow the Lord. And we, we sat down and looked at each other. And, you know, when somebody first asks you that, you go, I don't know, what did we do? <laughs> so we talked about it. We actually came up with 15 things that we were intentional about that we did with Franny to really help her believe in what God was calling her to and to go for it and to be fearless and all that. So we gave our talk and the next morning I was just thanking the Lord. I was just on my face, thanking God for, you know, that we were able to do that and meet all these different parents. And it was great. And, and I just heard the Lord say as clear as I've ever heard him in my spirit, he said, those are book chapters. Hmm. And I went, okay, first of all, I, you know, I'm not a writer. I don't have a degree. I liked English and I enjoyed writing, but you know, nothing in my life led me to think someday you're going to write a book. But I kept giving the Lord all these excuses, and he kept saying, those are book chapters. I just went, okay, all right, God. (laughs) (laughs) So that was really the beginning of sort of giving me a new new thing to focus on. And um, somewhere in there, I think maybe even before then, I'd started a little blog that was just my recipes, mainly for Franny because she was moving away. And how do you make your chicken soup, Mom? (laughs) So, you know, I had to have a place I could kind of put it and let her have it and her friends and stuff. So I've always loved to cook, but I love to write about the Lord too. So my blog's kind of an odd little hybrid of food and faith, but you know, you get fed either way. So, um, but it, it just kind of opened up a whole new thing for me, this, mm-hmm. this writing thing. And um, I'm writing a second book now called The God Dare, which for me, writing that first book was my God Dare. That was God saying, I'm calling you to do something you don't think you're able to do, but I've already equipped you. So if you'll just obey, you know, and put one foot in front of the other, you're going to, you're going to be able to do it. And when you're, when you've accomplished it, you're going to be able to call yourself by another name. Hmm. Now I can say I'm an author, you know, Mm -hmm. writer, which gosh, five years ago, 10 years ago, I would never have said, but it's taking God at his word and doing that scary thing that, that I think he's calling each of us to do at some point in our life. You know, you, mm-hmm. you never know when that's going to come. You know, it hit Moses when he was 75. So you're not you're not too young or too old to to hear that. But that really just sort of changed things for me when I realized, all right, there's there's something else here that I can be passionate about and enjoy and spend my time thinking about rather than <clears throat> that I'm an empty nester. Yeah. You know? 
Well, you know, and what I love so much about it is that you weren't afraid to dream big. You weren't afraid to dream big for your daughter. And then when it was your turn, you weren't af- afraid to dream big for you. And for all, for all the moms listening, that maybe they're afraid to dream big. Maybe they're afraid to dream big for their kids. Maybe they're afraid to dream big for themselves. What would you say to them? I think, you know, you just have to do it, it because it, it's, it's easy to be average. All of us can be average and just live a normal life and there's nothing wrong with it. But I told Franny from the time she was little, said, you're going to change the world. You know, God has a plan for you. I don't know what it is, but all I know is he says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I would speak things like that. I'm a big believer in speaking truth, what the Lord says, what the word says, not necessarily what I think, but what does God say? God says, I know the plans I have for you. God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, God says we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Mm-hmm. I want to know what are those good works? I know that they're going to be, I know they're going to change the world either in a, sometimes it's in a big public, you know, way like Franny has, but oftentimes it's, it's, you know, we're going to live our lives in obscurity, but that's okay too. You can still change the world. You can still do a big thing. Um, I don't know. I wonder if it's just because we'd come from that world that we were we were able to dream bigger for her to, to know that we know it's possible. Mm-hmm. It just is going to take a lot of work. It's just, it's not going to happen easily. But, but to believe for yourself that there's something God created each of us to do, to leave this planet differently than we found it. Mm-hmm. And that might just be raising your kids not just, but I mean, raising your children to know the Lord, to follow him, to love him with passion. You know, it's, it's not enough to just be able to recite a scripture verse. It's, I wanted Franny to, to know and love and have passion for God on her own. Right. You know, she knew I had it, but once I saw that growing in her and went, and now I go and I'll sit in, in a concert and hear her ministering and preaching and it just, you know, or leading worship. And it just blesses me to think, she got it. You know, no matter if there was any fame or fortune, she got that part right. And that's eternal. Man, on the side of motherhood where my kids are still very young, just hearing that and imagining what it would be like to see any of my kids doing that, just leading people in worship and not necessarily, I don't care how many people would be in the room, but just knowing that my kids made it and that the transfer of me being the focus of their hearts to Jesus being the focus of their hearts just sounds and, you know, it almost makes me a little misty-eyed. I can't imagine what it would be like to actually sit there and see your, your daughter ministering it's, to it's other people. Very, it's, it's just, you know, you just, my husband and I still, will, to, to this day, will look at each other and go, how did, how did this happen? You know, how did we get, how did she get to this point where she's, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm just blessed by it. But I think, you know, believe in it. Believe in it for yourself. Believe in it for your kids. God's looking for world changers. Mm-hmm still looking for David's and Joseph's and Moses. You know, he's looking, somebody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Somebody's kid is going to do it, is going to, is going to make that difference. Why not yours? You know, why not mine? And I just, I was probably just dumb enough to go, well, <laughs> why couldn't this be? You know, I'm dumb enough to think, okay, I'll write this book. I'll never find a publisher, but I found a, pu- a publisher found me, you know, the stories of what people go through to get their book published. I'm like, okay, Whatever, Lord, if it's you, if God, if it's God's in it, it, it it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, He'll make it happen, and one thing will lead to another. Not always perfectly, not always the way you think, but it it will. You know, but and I'm sure a lot of moms listening have 
at some point in their lives, especially since obviously since becoming a mom, that they've laid something down, something mm-hmm. that either they don't have an, as much time for now that they've become a mom or something that they just stopped doing altogether since becoming a mom. And I like, uh, I just love your story of how you laid something down, but then you, you have not only did it lead to greater things for your daughter, but you still found a passion and things that you can be successful at even after laying that down and being able to spend that time with your daughter and focus on her so that she can then go and bloom and impact people. You know, my daughter has um, her album and she actually got it recently, uh, like a couple weeks ago. And so your daughter's voice has been on constant replay (laughs) in my house. The repeat button on Strangely Dim, I think is stuck. And, um, but it's, you know, it's impacting my daughter and, and, and her life and who she's becoming. And who knows if that would have happened or not, if you hadn't made the choice to obey the Lord and to lay down what was a passion of yours Amen. so that you can invest in your daughter. And that's just multiplying out. And then he's given you this additional passion later on. And so I just want to encourage all the moms listening that you just never know what the you know, I think of God's will sometimes like a tapestry, and we often see the back tangled mm-hmm. side, and he mm-hmm. sees the other beautiful side, and you never know what he has in store for you, and I think your story is an ex- excellent example of that. Oh, thank you. I think one other thing that Mike and I realized is that our ceiling, we want our ceiling to become their floor, mm. and that's really when, you, especially when you've laid down something, something that you love and something that you were passionate about. The Lord's going to take that. He will not waste anything. So let your let your ceiling become their floor. Let them go beyond anywhere you could have gone. That's a gratifying thing to see that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's funny that you say that because actually one of my favorite quotes in regards to parenthood. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I love that visual image as well. And especially for moms who maybe they did lay down something, I know that there is the perspective that you could see that as kind of almost having a doormat perspective of motherhood. But mm-hmm. instead, if you see that as being a launching pad, it, it's such a small shift mentally, but it mm-hmm. makes all the difference in the world for your own health and for the health of your children and for the health of your marriage probably as well. And so I love that visual image of uh, our, our ground floor being, or our ceiling being our children's ground floor. Yeah, right. So good. Okay. Um, where can people find you online and where can they find your book? I'm just at katebattistelli.com. And even if you type it in incorrectly, it'll come up. (laughs) It'll find me. Um, My book, you know, I don't know if it's still in the bookstores because it's been a couple of years, but they can get it on Amazon has. It's called Growing Great Kids. And I have it on my website. So you can get it from there too. Um, And then my book, The God Dare, should be out. I'm praying by Mother's Day. And that I'm going to make available as a free download first. So you'll know about that. And you know, hopefully people will be able to get it for free, actually, yeah. which would be great. That, that's my goal to get it into as many hands as I can. But um, yeah. Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. I just love the wealth of wisdom that you had to share with us. And honestly, I haven't interviewed a lot of people on the quote unquote other side of motherhood. <laughs> um, but, you know, people who have seen all their effort come to fruition. And so it's so encouraging and inspiring to hear that, that all of those 10,000 hours of work and time that we put into our children, mm-hmm. that it, it it has a reward in the end and that it, it does it does work and it all works out. And so I, I love hearing your story. So thank you for 
taking the time to chat with us today. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I will see you on Instagram and I will try not to be hungry at all your awesome pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Kat. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercies. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in.